This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast with me, Johnny Hart, where we look at all the business and market news from across the world with Oanda Senior Market Analysts. And today it is Craig Earlham in London. Good evening, Craig. Good evening. Let's start with the latest US inflation numbers unchanged in January for a second straight month and certainly underscores the pandemic's lingering restraint on inflation. Uh, It was uh, 1.4%, the number slightly shy of expectations. Yeah, it was. Uh, And I think it's important, I guess, that month by month that investors' fears are kept at bay. We started the year with a very mild taper tantrum. This fear that we were going to see the Fed tapering asset purchase, maybe even this year, that we could see interest rate rises earlier than we previously anticipated, that a $1.9 trillion stimulus program was going to lead to a spike in inflation. And with the Democrats seemingly having some success in terms of getting this package through over the course of the next couple of months or something very close to it, then it's not going to take much for, I think, those fears to return. So month by month, we're looking at these inflation figures and it's just kind of crossing fingers and hoping that we're not seeing any underlying inflation creeping in. Now, you can see temporary inflation creeping into these figures and that's the kind of inflation which the central bank will typically look through. But initially, you just tend to get a response to the headline figure and look at the details after. And when we saw this come out today, it was slightly shy of expectations. And what we saw on US futures markets was the the Dow, the, uh, the E-mini, etc., spiking a little bit uh, before pairing those heading into the open and basically opening back where it started again. But it just shows how much excitement is generated from these inflation numbers now and it's all driven by the fear that higher inflation could follow in this kind of post-pandemic world for a variety of reasons, including the, this additional stimulus, and force the Fed to re- effectively cut its support and even ponder interest rate hikes during an economic recovery. I don't think that's going to happen unless the, the situation does deteriorate far more significantly. I do think they're going to continue to support this uh, economic recovery, and it's already tweaked its mandate in order to allow it to see above target inflation for a period of time as well. There is that nervousness quite clearly in the markets and I think that was evident during this release today. And stocks turned a little bit negative, led lower by big tech after initially rising earlier. Was that because of those inflation numbers? Well, the, the initial rise ahead of the open in the futures was the inflation number driven, and then it quickly paired those back. We're, we're talking tiny movements that we're seeing here, very small, a few tenths of 1% uh, that we can see most European indices down by. The FTSE ended the session down one-tenth of 1%. The Dow, as I'm looking at it, is up one-tenth of 1%. The S&P is down 0.04%. We're, we're talking tiny movements here, but we're kind of in that phase at this minute. It's a very quiet week. We've got a few bank holidays in, in Asia in particular. I think we're just in a quiet period. There's not a lot of economic data. This inflation data was one that stood out. There wasn't many many major market events. We're past peak earnings season. There's a lot of optimism that was priced in over the last week and a half with regards to what we're seeing on the vaccine front with regards to the COVID numbers, the, the the cases, fatalities, that we're seeing big improvements here. And we saw a lot of optimism coming into these markets. And I think we're just seeing maybe just a little bit of money coming out or we're just seeing a bit of see what happens next, see what's going to be the next driver in these markets. And we've seen it now for the last 48, 72 hours. This could just become a theme of the week, ultimately, especially with the bank holidays ahead of us. Twitter, Craig, has posted record revenues for the last quarter of 2020, capping off what its 
chief exec has said was an extraordinary year, and it certainly was. Uh, I think there's always a few numbers that we're looking at with these results, and I think the revenues, etc., are all important. The ad revenue in particular, obviously seeing quite substantial growth as well. 2020 was a very good year for many of these companies because if people are sat inside, the chances are they're going to be on their phones or tablets or computers and, and utilising these platforms, even politics aside, uh, which is one thing that... I think Jack Dorsey was keen to stress was that there's more topics on the on the platform than just US elections, which is why they weren't too concerned with removing former President Trump's Twitter account at the end of his time as president. And uh, I think one of the other things that did catch the attention, although it does seem to have been brushed aside now, uh, looking at the stock price uh, up uh, eight, more than 8.5% at this at the moment. Uh, the other thing is the, the monetizable daily active users. We saw 5 million uh, growth in the in, in the quarter uh, to 192 million, uh, a big jump from a year ago, but it was slightly shy of expectations. And the worry there being that there was a knock-on effect from all of the focus around the the election and the closing of that particular Twitter account is, uh, has done. And also when we're talking about regulation and things like that in the US and, and a few other countries, there's so much focus on these social media companies right now. And then you look at what we're seeing in India right now and with certain accounts uh, being blocked, some, t- some temporarily um, and some with additional caveats. Uh, on it under political pressure once again uh, from uh, the Indian government. It, it just seems that many of these social media platforms are very much at the centre of the storm um, and fighting different battles depending on uh, which country it is that they're actually uh, coming up against. So the active users is uh, is a real key component um, in terms of the, the focus and it's something that was the clear focus in the aftermath of this but it's something that has been brushed aside for now but if we continue in the quarters ahead to see lower um, monetized uh, daily active users and we're seeing the company become increasingly embroiled in these spats with various uh, governments and seeing backlashes uh, because of the actions that it's now choosing to take with regards to restricting accounts or to blocking content that could become a far stickier issue uh, for twitter uh, in the coming years but right now like i say the share price is doing quite well so broadly speaking these results and they are record results have been well received Social media has certainly helped cryptocurrencies on their merry way. And uh, talking of crypto, let's talk of your favourite subject, Bitcoin. Tesla's investment in Bitcoin has seen it hit record highs of $48,000, but they've been pegged back a bit today. It has pulled back today. It was down around, what, 6% at one stage. But we have to remember that following a 30% surge, a 6% pullback is not really that significant I'm, I'm more surprised that it peaked at 48,000 rather than making a, a closer push at 50,000 but the moves earlier in the week driven by that Tesla investment deciding to invest 1.5 billion dollars in Bitcoin clearly driven uh, by the co-founder and, uh, and CEO Elon Musk also deciding that they're going to uh, look to accept Bitcoin in exchange uh, as, as payment for Tesla cars in the future kind of working hand in hand with that, trying to legitimise Bitcoin as both an investment instrument, but also a form of transaction. That does raise a couple of questions, one being um, uh, how how much are shareholders on board with uh, this kind of venture into Bitcoin, but also the, the second one, probably more important, who in their right mind is spending Bitcoin buying anything, let alone a, a Tesla car, barring a PR stunt. I don't think anyone's going to be in too quick a rush to convert their Bitcoin into a Tesla. I mean, I think that's probably part of why they've done it. It's because they know that that's going to be the case. Now, the other flip side, that is if everyone decided I we all want to buy our 
Tesla cars with Bitcoin. Uh, will they continue to offer it? I'm, I'm not sure that they would. But I think it's kind of, it just makes sense to make those decisions hand in hand and it clearly helped the price. It didn't help it quite above $50,000, but I think most people at this point are probably looking at the way these prices are moving and saying it's only a matter of time with regards to when this will pass 50,000 rather than if it will pass 50,000. And if, if, they, if they can find a few more high profile names with massive corporate backing to invest in Bitcoin, then that's only going to help the cause. Oil edging up again, went past the magical $60 a barrel for Brent crude a couple of days ago, and uh, WTI is getting nearer. And it's got good momentum behind it as well, and I think that's the important point here. There's been different phases of this uh, oil rally over the course of the last few months, and we're, we're in the latest phase now, which is economic optimism. So we, we had a bit of consolidation, and then we had the the cut in January, the surprise cut, the extra 1 million barrels from Saudi Arabia really gave this market another little bump higher. And then we move into a bit of consolidation again and then we start to see more optimism, more broadly speaking, in these markets. And that's driven, like I say, by the success that we're seeing with the vaccines, despite the initial hiccups in many countries. We are seeing a lot of success now with this vaccine rollout, whether that is the improvements that we're seeing in the numbers with regards to COVID and now the hope that we can start to actually envisage a time post lockdown when life is going to return to normal more permanently. And I think that kind of optimism here is starting to filter through. We've had a decent earnings season in the US as well. And I think a lot of this optimism is starting to filter through to these markets and anything which suggests that the second half of the year is going to be even stronger again than we anticipated, that we're going to see this booming consumer-driven recovery is going to ultimately be better for oil prices. People being able to go on holiday in the summer. I know we had these comments in the UK today about don't necessarily book your holidays for the summer, but I think there is still a lot of optimism that people are going to get to enjoy those summer holidays, either domestically or abroad. This is going to, people leaving the houses and wanting to get out of the place and go somewhere and do something, this is going to lead to a significant jump in demand for, for oil. And I think that's what we're now seeing priced in. And like I say, there's still plenty of momentum in this. So Brent's above $60, and it seems only a matter of time now before WTI joins it in that $60 territory. Okay, Craig, thanks for joining us today, and we'll speak to you again soon. Thank you.